Welcome to the Beacon Hill Podcast, helping you grow in your faith and shine for Christ. Thanks for joining us. Now here are your hosts, Pastor G.J. Farmer and the Beacon Hill Baptist Church staff. Well, welcome back to the Beacon Hill Podcast. We missed you all last week, didn't we? We did. I expected you all to like yeah, just yeah. chime in. <laughs> I was like still grooving. <laughs> hey, uh, so we didn't have a show last week. Well, technically we did. We just didn't post it. Right. Uh, I had was, a lot of people. It was good <laughs> stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> had a lot of people ask Sunday uh, why we didn't have a podcast last week. First of all, let me say I'm thankful that you are listening enough to know that we didn't have a show last week. Uh, but we didn't put an episode up last week because uh, I got the flu or something last week. And mm-hmm. so we record this typically on Tuesdays. And so um, we did record last Tuesday. But I guess I was like in the midst of getting sick on Tuesday because I do know I woke up Tuesday morning with sore throat. Yep. And I thought it was just the weather and stuff. But by Wednesday morning, I was like really sick. Yeah. Um, but when we recorded the podcast on Tuesday, I didn't really know I was getting sick. But after we got done, I remember thinking back like, I'm not really sure what I even said in the podcast <laughs> because I was just like. A little bit of a fever, yeah. like, like in another delirium. world. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like talking out of my head. And so I was going to edit the podcast on Wednesday to get it ready to post. And I started thinking about it. And I was like, was that as bad as I thought it was? And so I listened to it back and it definitely was. The answer, <laughs> answer was yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then I asked you guys, I was like, why didn't you notice that I was completely out of my mind? I, I won't say completely. We're just used but, to it. Yeah. So there was <laughs> just to, to give some perspective, there was one clip in particular I'd sent you guys from it mm-hmm. where I was like, you know, we're just all part of the, um, the family of, um, um, God. God. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. I couldn't even think of family, <laughs> family of God. Of God. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, so letter repetition. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't your finest work, but no. that's okay. Well, that's why you know? just, after I listened to it, I was like, if I put that out but, and people thought like, if that was their first episode and they thought every episode <laughs> was like that, it yeah. would well, be bad. What did your wife do when she watched it? She told me it was bad. She told me it was bad and laughed at you. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> see, can't get much clearer than yeah, that. We're exactly. not going to do that in the middle of the podcast. Like, be like, yeah. What are you saying? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the support from you guys, but uh, anyway, so we're back. Uh, I'm feeling a lot better. Nobody's you guys didn't get sick. I was worried you guys were going to get sick after nope. I yes. got sick right after the podcast. But anyway, so we're back. But let me just say. Last week, our introductory, like, small talk, Jake had prepared kind of a small talk discussion starter, mm-hmm. and I thought it was pretty good as far as not just the question, but yeah. some of the stuff that we shared. So we decided, like, that we're going to talk about it again. And it's too so, good not to share. Yeah, so our <laughs> we really laughed last week, but now we kind of know what each other are going to say, so we might not laugh as yeah, much. But sure. Anyway, hopefully you'll think some of this is funny. It's still that funny, I think, though. Yeah. So, all right, go ahead and you want tell me to go them first. The que- we'll the tell question? them the question. So the question was, what is your what was your first job, and did anything funny happen while you were working your first, yeah. first yes. job? All right, so you go ahead. You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> my first job was working at Whataburger, 
I worked at Whataburger for four days. Um, so it's still funny. It's still funny. Yeah, yeah. This is like Groundhog Day. Yeah, I know. Like it's, it's kind of yeah. nice. <laughs> it was like I, I worked for four days. I worked the six p.m. to two a.m. shift because it was open twenty four hours. And I just remember after my fourth shift, just going. I'm a junior in high school. My parents pay for everything. What am I doing here? You know, <laughs> you just start to evaluate your life. And so, uh, yeah, I went up and, uh, and quit to the main manager who was like an older guy and I, I'd never quit anything, you know, so I, I was expecting it to be this big dramatic deal. So I, I started, there was like on the horizon, like, Oh, I could get a job at like a lawyer's office or something. <laughs> so I just told him, I was like, yeah, uh, I've got this other opportunity, you know, I, I've got to, got to quit. And he was just like, Oh, you're quitting. You're, and I was like, yeah, he goes, all right, man. Well, if you want to come back and work, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how much I was bringing to the yeah, table. Yeah. But <clears throat> the funniest part of it was the guy who was like our shift manager was my age. Like he had been working there since he was like 14. <laughs> and so he got me the job, uh, cause I went to school with him. And one night I was just like, one of the four nights, I was, it was like 1 a.m. And I was just sitting in there and I looked around and there was nobody in there with me. None of the workers, nothing. And I go and I look outside and my friend had like all the employees plus some of his friends had shown up and they were shooting fireworks <laughs> off in the parking lot. And it was like, like they were having a lot of fun. So and just for clarity, do you remember what month this was? So this is like June. So it was like a summer <laughs> gig. You know? So like the little the <laughs> firework yeah, stands had just popped up, man. Yeah, right. Okay. It was like <laughs> yeah. let me let's test this out, you know. <laughs> and it's one in the morning, so the only people coming to Whataburger are yeah. you know coming home from like a <laughs> soccer tournament. Like, or like there's nobody. Somebody gets yeah. off the late <laughs> shift and they're like, man, yeah. they're having a sale at Whataburger. Yeah, look at those fireworks, man. Fireworks. <laughs> What's open? See, so, yeah, <laughs> I was just like, well. And in the back of my mind, I was going, I can do anything I want here because yeah. I'm not going to give. If he's the manager and he's shooting fireworks, <laughs> he's I can do trying anything to get people I want. To come in, and so, yeah, get a little but recognition. After I had like I had like ten burns on my hands from frying up fries, not from fireworks, though. not from fireworks, <laughs> just the fries. And uh, yeah, four days I was like, I'm done can't with handle this. Handle that yeah, hot grease. Good. Okay. What was yours? Well, <clears throat> Coming off, uh, when you said something, it reminded me of part of the story about mine. You know, my my dad also, you know, through when I was in high school, paid for He's like, yeah, I'll pay for your gas because you're taking your brothers to school, into a Christian school, and he did things like that. And I specifically remember him saying in that summer, I think it was 94 before my junior year um, or senior year, and he said, no, nah, I don't got to pay for your gas this summer, so you need to go get a job. So my first job was at a grocery store called Bilo. Now, um, it's kind of just like Kroger, but it's just down in the South Carolina area and other places in the South, and I was the typical bag boy, go get the carts, mm -hmm. basically do whatever they tell you to do for $5.25 an hour. Were the prices low? See, when you, yeah. like, when you, you hear Bilow, Bilo, most people think about like B U Y L O W, yeah. right. but that's not how you spell it. It's not. Oh, it's not at all. It's B I L O. 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like a guy named Bilo. <laughs> <laughs> the light just came on. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They don't have those <laughs> west of here, I guess, you know, so. But so I remember one time it was at night and uh, I had to restock the bread. Like you have to pull the bread carts out that the truck left and restock it. And I'm just pushing it down the aisle. And, you know, it's like 10 feet tall. I can't see any, any p- way past it. And I hit this bump, this thump. And all of a sudden I heard this big like crash. And I was like, oh man, I was like, I wonder who that was. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and I turned, looked around it and it was me. Yeah. I had bumped into a giant display of like Listerine mouthwash. Yeah. And lo and behold, some of the bottles exploded. They mm. didn't all stay capped. And <laughs> Listerine or mouthwash was like thick on the floor. It's bur- your eyes. You're like, oh my goodness, yeah. it's burning your eyes. <laughs> and a little bit part of the story I forgot to share last I'm week was that um, when I did it, uh, a friend of mine, my best friend, actually was walking in to like see if when I was getting off work or whatever. Uh-huh. And he was right at the front of the aisle like, what did you do? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm not going to be able to hang out tonight. I'm going to be doing cleaning this. Because the manager come by, he's like, well, all right, man, just clean that up. I mean, it's like. You're going to make me clean it up? It's like. See, I would have been gone. Like, I would have just been like, I quit right now. I didn't have time. I didn't have time. I couldn't just quit like that. The guy that got me the job, the owner, was like, you know, went to our church and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he would totally allowed me out to my dad, so. That's funny. Yeah, so my first job was at a gas station, Mm -hmm. uh, convenient food mart gas station. And a couple of, well, one odd thing, I guess, but kind of funny. uh, And then another funny thing I'll share. So the manager there, I guess he was the owner at the time. He was always like pinching pennies, basically, like trying to do everything he could to Mm -hmm. save every, like, and I guess if you're an owner of a business, that's probably a good trait to have, but he would have us, um, so we, he would have us instead of changing out the air filters monthly, we had to take the air filters out, take them outside and hit them with a leaf blower every (laughs) single month. And part of the. I guess part of my frustration with that in a couple of ways was one, I'm standing out in the parking lot where customers are right. trying to leaf <laughs> blow these, <laughs> these air filters. And one, it just looks kind of ridiculous yeah. to do that. But two, I don't know if you've ever tried like, like hitting an air filter with a leaf blower, but it blows away when you, right, yeah. you do it. <laughs> So I would be like, like yeah, I'd have to hold it out in front of me and it would be like folding up and bending and I'd be hitting it with the, anyway, that was just embarrassing. And air filters, not super expensive. No, you know, and especially, especially not these because he was already pinching pennies on the air filters filters, he bought. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were like the cheap monthly ones that literally you'd have to change out every month. But anyway, uh, the other story was I was remembering one time somebody came through to get some gas and. He came in to prepay for the gas. And he was like, yeah, I want to fill up on pump number, whatever. And he was like, yeah, it's that two-tone vehicle out there. And so most of the time when you think of a two-tone vehicle, you think, oh, this is a car that's got a fancy paint job. It'll have like a gradient on the side or something. (laughs) And so I started looking out the window trying to find exactly what pump he's on. And I look, and the two-tone vehicle he's talking about is a truck that had paint on it 
but it was like a solid job with a different colored door where he had just like <laughs> went to the junkyard and got a new door to replace the door. But anyway, two-tone. yeah, this sweet paint job. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was, it was two tone though. I'll give it, give it to him on he that. Was, he wasn't lying. <laughs> no. You know? Uh, anyway, let's get to, uh, the more important matters at hand. We've been going through a series, uh, here at Beacon Hill Baptist church called, uh, we before me, we've been talking about how, uh, as a church, looking to grow the kingdom of God, we have to uh, be more about working together than just looking at church or even like the Christian walk as being just an individual uh, experience. And so this week we talked about how we're to be a praying community. We looked at a story from Acts chapter four of when Peter and John were arrested and basically threatened to never speak in the name of Jesus again. Um, They went back to their church And immediately the church's response was, let's all pray together about this. And they all did. God answered their prayer. And then after they prayed, I'm just going to read Acts 4.31 of what happened. It says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. And so God responded to their prayers in a great way. And we talked about it wasn't just that you know, one person was praying or what, like it was a corporate prayer in that all of their hearts were turned together in this moment to pray for this very specific need. And really this was a hindrance to their ministry. This was something that was going to be an obstacle to overcome. Uh, And part of the obstacle was their own fear and the uncertainty of what would happen if they did this. And they needed the boldness of the Holy Spirit to be able to get over their fear and to be able to speak. And so, Anyway, um, they prayed, and they all, it says, began to speak boldly, um, speak the word of God boldly. Um, So in thinking about this, we talked about um, a few different things with corporate prayer. Uh, First, we said that corporate prayer can unite a church, and we saw this happen in this prayer here because they, it says they came to their own people. They went back to their own people and told them about this. We saw a relational unity that was taking place um, with the church there at the same time. Uh, I was thinking about about this uh, even this week. If you go to um, Acts chapter 1, while they were waiting on the Holy Spirit to come in Acts 2 at Pentecost, it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, that those who were in the upper room, those first followers of Jesus, it says, uh, they all were continually united in prayer along with the women including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So even like right out the gate, right out after Jesus left, it says they were united in prayer. And so here, certainly, they were united in prayer. And so when we come together and pray together, there's a certain relational side that it unites us in that we're all here together. But there's a missional side of it as well, where there's a, um, a side of it about like what we're praying about that brings some unity. So what are your thoughts? How, how does prayer build unity or how um, particularly missional unity and how maybe in the past, and it may take you a second to think about this. I don't know. I'm kind of springing this on you here. How maybe in the past have you seen this happen? Maybe in a small group you've been in or in a church you've been in before a time of prayer that you've seen it help build missional unity within the church? Uh, is there a certain example that you would look to in your own life that you would say, yeah, that's true? I don't know. What are, what are your all's thoughts? How does it do it? And do you have an example of it? And like I said, I'm kind of springing that on you guys, that second part. But well, I know that like, so 
the thing that um, can really bring people together is like common goals and common, you know, things that you're trying to work towards or see or, and it's even more so when we talk about things that we're bringing to the Lord, like, you know, and so I think that especially for a church, if there's, you know, a particular um, group that we're trying to reach or if there's, you know, um, if we have somebody within our church that's struggling and we come together alongside them to pray together, um, not only does that like bring us together in that time, but then whenever you see it through to the end and you see how God moves in it, it can like spur on more of that and encourage more of that, you know? And so I know that, um, you know, when we were, uh, not, maybe not everybody knows, but we adopted our son James and at our old church in Lake Charles, when we were going through that, we had a lot of people that would pray with us and, and for that just because it, you know, a lot of times it can be a long process and it can just be, um, that kind of thing. And, uh, it was really cool to see how, when God answered those prayers and we got James, everybody, we were able to kind of look back and, and thank people for praying for us and know that we all kind of, even though me and Monica were the ones that were adopting, everybody was coming alongside us and was invested in our situation just like we were. And so um, that's a way for for me that I've seen um, just the church be able to come alongside and, and really see God move in a powerful way. And it encourages everyone, even though we were the ones that were in it, you know? Yeah. When I was looking at this question and I was uh, studying it and it took me back to, uh, you know, the Sermon on the Mount and where, uh, you know, how much value Jesus puts on prayer, you know, where he, he was the model of prayer. He showed them how to do it, and that's on the relational side with his disciples. But corporately also, you know, he brought them along whenever he had something that he wanted to lift up to the Father. Okay, he was the model to show them how to pray together as a group, you know, even though they were you know, still small, uh, but to show them uh, just what can happen. You know, what can, what can God do when we come together, you know, to pray? Right. It may not always be in our timing. You know, we're impatient people probably by nature, okay? Um, but we pray without ceasing. And the thing that I thought of when we, uh, when I was looking at this about was um, just as our church, uh, just as we were seeking out God's next senior pastor for our church, you know, we came together as a church to pray uh, for that quite often. You know, I know that we pray for that every single Wednesday night in the Bible study that I led. And we had times during the search where we would uh, give out prayer guides on how to pray for it and things like that. And again, it may, it may not always come as fast as we would like or how we would like, but God is aware when we come together corporately as part of our mission as Christians, because that's the command. You, you know, uh, is to come together as a church, as we saw in the book of Acts, how they did it as well. So, yeah, I was thinking about um, just a good example of this in my life is a mission trip. Um, really, not, I won't even say a mission trip, various mission trips and activities that I've been on. You can go on these <clears throat> mission trips with people that you don't even really know. Mm-hmm. 
And as you're on this trip or doing this project or whatever, if it, especially if it's a multi-day thing or, or a long-term thing, as you begin to pray about this and work together on this, what happens is you, you build relational unity and missional unity because you're all in this together. And I believe the more that you're working together, the more that you're praying together, the more that you do all this, God kind of brings you together in this way. But like I said, it's on a trip like that or doing something like that. It's more than just a relational thing. Like you're having a, um, you know, a vacation together. You're there for a purpose together. And the more you pray together and the more you work together toward that, the more that mission builds within you. And mm -hmm. there's that unity around the mission together. Um, I just jotted, jotted down a minute ago, uh, something that I believe is true. And I think, you know, it, it's kind of, it's true in this case, but also in a lot of different cases that it's difficult to not care about what you pray about. Um, if you start praying about something, even if in the beginning, you don't care about it that much, your care and concern toward that, if you're genuine in your prayers will begin to grow. I believe that's one of the reasons Jesus said to pray for those who persecute you, mm -hmm. because initially there may be hatred there, but as you pray for those people, God brings love and concern mm -hmm. and um, that he'll grow that relationship. And, and as Christians pray together, he'll grow you uh, in that missional unity as well. And so I think that's, you know, and seeing that, how does prayer build missional unity? I think it's just a, a practical thing that God does in our lives, but we all know that it's crucial in various aspects of life to have missional unity, whether that's at, at the workplace or if you're on a, like a team, um, like with sports or whatever, you all have to be on the same page mm -hmm. when there's something like eternal, uh, security of people hanging in the balance, you know, where they're going to spend eternity and we're on the mission to share the gospel with them. There's nothing more important than having this type of unity, uh, anywhere else than it is in the church. And so I think that's crucial. Now, Another thing on unity that we talked about, as they were praying, I mentioned, um, like, as part of their prayer, something that struck me was that they didn't pray for God to just remove or eliminate the threat of, you know, these religious political leaders who were threatening them. Um, they didn't say, God, just make us comfortable or make it easy for us to, to share the gospel by taking away this threat. Mm -hmm. Instead, what they prayed for was boldness in spite of the threat. Mm -hmm. And so I mentioned Sunday how it's important for us to consider this attitude in our own lives. Like so many times, even, you know, myself, I, I think if we're all honest here this uh, today that we would say this is true, like we tend to pray for comfort and for ease of things in our lives. And I would say that in and of itself isn't necessarily sinful, but why is it better to have the attitude like what the disciples and followers of Jesus had in these moments where we're praying for us to be able to still accomplish the mission despite what's thrown at us? I don't know. What are your all's thoughts? Why is it better to have that attitude? <laughs> wait let, hang on if somebody's watching they knew what just happened if they're listening they probably thought like yeah. their right. phone's buffering yeah. or something <laughs> so they the 
Jake and Josh just started talking at the same time. Yes. Uh, if you couldn't tell. So, so eager anyway. to answer yeah. the question. We, <laughs> we just wanted to do it. You want me to do it? I was just ahead. imagining if somebody didn't see that, <laughs> yeah, what they true. just heard, what they thought just happened. Anyway, go ahead. They think it's like skipping like a CD. <laughs> uh, what was the question? Yeah. Uh, so why is it important to have the attitude of we're going to oh, pray okay, yeah, that yeah. we continue on in the mission no matter what gets in our way or the hurdles or those right. kind of things? Well, I think that throughout the New Testament, you see um, just various passages where it, it talks about the importance of, you know, Paul talks about uh, running the race and finishing the race. Um, James talks about uh, that it's good to be uh, to go through trials of various kinds because it produces uh, endurance and steadfastness. And so um, I think that, like you said, uh, I think that we would prefer if it was easy, you know, and I don't, like you said, I don't think that that's a wrong thing to prefer, but the Bible's pretty clear about the benefits that come along with going through persecution and trial. Um, and if we can do that together as a church uh, and, and take things on together like we're supposed to in unity, um, then that can be a way that we can really be strengthened. Um, and so, yeah, like there's it kind of similar in sports or anything else. Like I've been trying to tell my kids they're, they're getting involved with sports and stuff. And like, you don't get better unless you do the things that make you sore and make you tired and make, you know, and you have to push through no pain, things. no gain, no mm -hmm. pain, no gain, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I think, I think we just, we don't think often enough about the benefits of being steadfast in right. trial, you know, cause it's not a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say something similar to me personally. Uh, when you're going through trials like that, we saw how they were going through it in the, in the new Testament, the book of acts and everything. And, and it's very easy for us to put the focus on ourself and what's going on, you know, how it affects us. And as Christians, um, you know, God gives us these things, like you, Jake said, to grow us, you know, to build endurance, like, like James said. And um, just for whatever that we're going through, um, I mean, how, how easy would it be for us to just pray all the time, oh, God, I, I don't want to do this. Can you please deliver me from it? And if he did that every time, you know, we wouldn't grow. You know, we wouldn't know what it means, um, how Jesus said, in the New Testament, you know, the path to heaven is, you know, through the narrow gate. You know, it's it's got to be something to where um, you have to have stake in it. You know, Christianity, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Okay, and Jesus knew that. And I think he was preparing, you know, when, when he taught the disciples on this for what's going to come in their future. Because we, we do look in the New Testament, we see... There were people that when the going got tough, what happened? You know, they they got going. You mm -hmm. know, Paul had wrote extensively about that. So for us as Christians, yeah, like again Jake said, um, it is preparing us. It is in a sports metaphor, you know, making your muscles stronger, you know, building your endurance and things like that. So and I was thinking about their prayer even in Acts four. Part of their prayer was like it was in acknowledging their difficulties and things like that, they were praying like it was difficult for Jesus 
and that was prophesied that it would be this way. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost like they had the attitude of why should we expect it to be easy for us when Jesus went through that right. for us, you know? Um, and so I think for all of us, we have to remember that God works in a lot of great ways in seasons of difficulty. And yeah, we may have, we may have the blessing of, um, going through an easy time where, and I think, Honestly, I mean, here in America, particularly in Somerset, Kentucky, it's pretty easy right. to be a Christian. Yep. Uh, it could be way harder than what it is. And so I think as we're praying through some of this stuff as a church, I think it's okay to thank God for the blessing that he gives us to be able to serve and to do the, his work here. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we have to have the attitude of, come what may, I'm still going to follow Jesus. Come what may, I still want to proclaim his, his name, uh, show, have his glory be shown in my life. Um, because it may not always be as it, as easy as it is now. And so we have to be even now begin to adopt the attitude of come what may, uh, I'm going to hold on to Christ. Um, I think, uh, all of us being in it together is something that can, you know, if you're, if I just, heard it said like if you're going through a time of of prosperity and you know those types of things um you're still you know in first corinthians uh talks about you know how when one part suffers we all suffer and one part rejoices we all rejoice and it's like you can you can take that opportunity that god has given you to help encourage and bless and pray for and kind of do the work for those that are um that are struggling and and like I think that's why it's so important that we recognize that it's not it's not an alone type of uh, like solo match that we're trying to trying to be a part of. Yeah. We're together as a team. Yeah. And so as you're praying this week, maybe um, as you analyze your prayers and, and hopefully a lot of times like you step back and think or like after you pray or before you pray, like what is it that I'm really praying for? What's my attitude behind prayer? as you're thinking about that this week, maybe consider, have I just mostly been praying for convenience and comfort in my life rather than for God's glory and his will to, to happen in my life, regardless of what happens. Um, and you know, just assess your attitude. And I think that's something good for all of us to do, um, on a regular basis. I want to wrap up with this thought. Uh, we mentioned how corporate prayer, uh, can unite a church relationally and missionally, But then also Sunday, I talked about how it can align us with God's will. And essentially, uh, and like I said, I want to close with this idea. Essentially what happens that God does between his people of bringing them together relationally and missionally, the very same thing happens between us and God when we pray in this way, that our relationship with God grows and our unity, if you will, around his mission around his will in our lives that begins to grow because uh, as we are conformed more to the image of Christ our desires and our heart become more Christ-like desires and so as we grow in that his our will of the things that we want becomes more like the things that God would want Matthew 6 when Jesus taught on prayer he gave um, what some may call the Lord's prayer the model prayer And Jesus said, um, this is in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9, Therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Mm -hmm. And as we look to this prayer, one of the things that sticks out to me is that we are praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Literally, like as we're praying for God's will to be done in our life and here on the earth, like that prayer, just saying it out loud and saying it in our hearts, that begins to mold our hearts and, and minds to be more like Christ and, and saying, what I want in my life is what God wants for my life. And after you continually say out loud, your will be done in, in my life and in, on this earth, after you say it out loud enough times, uh, that's something that really begins to stick in your life. And you find yourself wanting more and more whatever God wants. And it's easier at that point to want to take on this attitude that the followers of Jesus did here, where they say, you know, whatever comes my, my way, I'm going to go through it if it's God's will. I don't know. What are your all's thoughts on that? Have you seen that happen in your life? Maybe that conforming around God's will, maybe, um, and I don't want to go too long here, but maybe mention something if you have a thought where you started praying out for praying for something in one way. And maybe God shifted your heart in another direction by the end of it. Um, I'll, I'll mention, you know, I've talked about my dad from time to time and through his uh, time and difficulty with cancer. And one of the things that he was all about was um, whatever God wants for my life, that's what I want. And, of course, we were praying for healing, but he was like, hey, if, if I have to go through this, this is what I have to go through. Um, and that was very difficult to pray. But the more we prayed that, the more we found ourselves actually believing that and trusting that, like whatever God wants in the situation, we're going to be okay with. Um, and I saw that through that. That was about a year or so. Um, my heart kind of changing in that over time. I don't know. Did you all ever have an experience like that or similar where your heart's changed? Just another, just I'm throwing it out there. <laughs> I didn't prepare well, I, you for it. So The thing that comes to mind for me without getting to the whole story is um, just the call that God placed upon my life to go into ministry. Um, I didn't go to college for that. Uh, I didn't think that um, God had those aspirations for me or that was his vision for my life, even though my, my dad was a minister uh, and I'd grown up in the ministry in the church. And of course, you can always look back when you see that while things weren't going well in your life as much as you can own up to them, some of it could be attributed to the fact that my vision for my life did not align with God's vision. And I think when that happened, you know, when I did that, of course, my life was never going to be perfect, but um, it began to go into a new direction that I could see uh, God really moving in my life. In the same way with the church, you know, it's very easy for the church to have a bunch of people wanting to do their own thing and uh, to the detriment of the church. But what happens when we align God's vision for what he has for us and we all follow it? So, Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for, for me, the main thing that sticks out most recently is just moving here to Kentucky. You know, uh, I'd never really been in between ministry jobs before, and so I kind of had it in my mind hey, I'm going to go to this type of church and I want to do this and this. You know, I had a handful of things that I was like were on my checklist of places and, and types of churches and stuff. And 
Beacon Hill didn't really fit any of those. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think that the more we're open to what God has for us, um, the more we see how great things can be in our lives. Um, because if I had gotten what I wanted, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys. And so, um, I think that, I think God's plan is always perfect. You didn't get what you wanted, but you got what you needed. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not a big fan of you guys, but you helped me a lot, you know? (laughs) So, but I think that if, I think that if you, so for, for those that are listening, I think that the more you make it a habit to pray, for God's will in your life instead of praying for a specific, I want this, or I think this is what we're, I'm supposed to do. The more you see God move and the more peace you have about situations. If you never pray for God's will, you're never able to really acknowledge what he's done in those situations. And you'll always be kind of drifting. Yeah. So these are some good thoughts. Hopefully you can take um, and apply to your prayer time. I think all of this, you know, as we think about um, what the Bible teaches on prayer, we need to be assessing how we pray, our attitudes, all of that. And and maybe today uh, you haven't really thought about it too much. And as you go to the Lord, you can say, God, convict me and grow me in the areas of prayer and um, my spiritual growth and all of that where I need to be. And that can be a focus of your prayer. Well, we appreciate you joining us this week. Hey, look, you got about an extra seven minutes. You didn't get a podcast last last week, but we did give you an extra seven minutes or so (laughs) today. bonus. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we appreciate you joining us this week, and we will hopefully see you all next week if nobody else gets sick. (laughs) You've been listening to the Beacon Hill Podcast. For more information about Beacon Hill Baptist Church, visit beaconhillbaptist.com.